0: Alright, welcome to the Protein Bros Podcast. This is Steve Raylos, I'm the guest for today, and my co-hosts are Jeff Wasserman and Kyle Combs, the two amazing owners of Supplement Superstores. Ooh, he's good. Yeah, Steve, we, uh, if you guys can't tell, Steve's not from the United States.
1: <laughs> where, is, where are you from, Steve?
0: I'm actually from a small town in Oklahoma called Chickasha. It's the uh, city of Christmas lights. Really? But in all seriousness, <laughs> Australia. Yeah.
1: But have we been to Chickasha
0: before? I have been. I have been.
1: Is that like a go-to spot? I have um, not.
0: Is this a year-round Christmas thing? Uh, no, but they are known for their Christmas lights. Uh, in a previous life as a, as a soccer coach, there's a university there called uh, University of Science and Arts. And unfortunately, it was a privilege to have the honor of going there and pulling into that town in an evening. And uh, yeah, they rock Christmas pretty good there. Not much else going on, but Christmas right <laughs> Chickasha. Chickasha, Oklahoma. Look it up. Is it? Okay. So Chickasha,
2: I, Oklahoma and Australia got to be basically the same place. Am I wrong? Uh,
0: a little bit more wildlife in Australia. <laughs> <but yes. laughs> I mean, lots
2: I, of things that can kill you in, I in have
1: Australia. An, I have an affinity for Christmas lights. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I go out of my way to see some good Christmas lights. I went down to Silver Dollar City last year for the old time Christmas. It's a great time. It is a good time. It is a great time. It was absolutely worth it. But Chickasha, Oklahoma,
0: is it a drive through display or is this like a walk up to it display? Mate, the whole city puts Christmas lights on their houses. There isn't a house that doesn't have lights on it.
2: Wow. wow. Okay. That's commitment. That All is right. commitment on the next You level. get kicked out of the city if you don't want to put up Christmas lights. <laughs> <I'm> Google <laughs> <If> Maps. <they're
1: laughs> I'm looking up Google Maps, Chickasha, Oklahoma as I we speak. I think it's
2: in their
0: covenants in the city. Luke, covenants. how far are we from <laughs> Chickasha? Look it up.
2: We want to know. He's like, my phone's recording this. (laughs) All right. So,
1: Steve is actually the proud owner of Brickyard Fitness uh, here in Kansas City. It's Kansas City's elite urban gym. If you have never been, it's phenomenal. It's located in the East Bottoms, if you're not familiar. That is right across railroad tracks. It's right next door to, well tortilla there's a tortilleria next door isn't it
0: uh yoli's tortillas um that's their kind of their their bake out or their their shop out where they uh they manufacture everything and they uh they sell to some pretty nice high-end restaurants in town here yeah
1: so yeah they're, they're super popular yeah. and then you got the j Rieger uh distillery
0: is like yeah. right next to that right next to that yep uh that's about 30 seconds from us and then uh knuckleheads uh outdoor venue is it's probably 45 seconds from us so yeah
1: man knuckleheads is a crazy spot Right. On, the, on the right night, if you go. I, never, I, I went with a buddy to uh, the Kevin Costner. Um, yeah, that's right. How was that? Uh, dude, uh, I left about 30 minutes into it, to be honest with you. Did
2: you wear your cowboy hat and your cowboy boots? I did not. But that's I why went, you left early. is because everyone is looking at you like, who
1: is this? No, hat? dude, it gets it's way worse than that. So I went with a special guest on our podcast, Justin Williams, a.k.a. Jayhawk Fitness. He and I went together to this concert and Justin wore white, white pants with white shirt, like an unbuttoned that white sounds, shirt. Like
2: when I when I think of that, that's like Backstreet Boys outfit circa 1998. Yeah, it's exact. He was one of, I mean, it was off of Just all white. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's balls. You ever do that, Steve? Never. All white outfit, you know?
0: No, I'm, uh, if you open my closet, it's uh, different shades of black. Yeah, me too. Yeah.
1: Painters were yeah. looking at him funny. They were like, what are you doing, dude? Painters.
2: <laughs> They're like, what are you doing here, man? Yeah. I have so a white, he, he my white the, S2 hat that I have. My wife's always like, can you go put a different color on? Because you look like a painter. <laughs>
0: yeah. He's the beacon of light. I bet.
1: I um, tell you right now, man, in that place, it was rocket. I mean, like they packed it out way too full. It was, you know, a, a 30 minute wait to get a beer. Um, totally not worth it. Like, just, just, just not a good experience if you don't like being around a ton of people, like asses right. to elbows. And um, when you're when you're head to toe in white, <laughs> you were just getting some crazy looks. So we were like, all right, well, this is just rock, right, you know, like another level of uncomfortable, and you couldn't really see the stage well, this or that. So, but anyways, Knuckleheads is a cool venue. If you haven't been, go. Uh, moving forward, Steve. Has done a ton in his life. If you haven't, if you're not watching it on YouTube, or if you're not actually looking at it on Spotify, because we got the Spotify video now. If you didn't already know, <coughs> you know that, it's pretty awesome. But Steve is also known as the Australian Rock. He's like six five. Well, how old? How tall are you now? Six two. Six two but looks every bit of six five.
0: <laughs> Just
2: because you're so jacked. I 200
1: yeah. 260 pounds in the off season. Yeah,
0: two fifty five, two sixty.
1: Yeah, and what are we sitting at right now?
0: Um I'm halfway through pre-prep for a show so right around 242.
1: Incredible. What do you where were you on stage last time? Cuz you got
0: low. You got lean, right? I did. Um I checked in at 211 and a half. Unbelievable. Um and then by the, the
2: biggest time, 211 that's ever walked the
1: earth. <laughs> for real though. I mean right. like is I mean it's crazy how how shredded you got and and you still I mean it's you know at 62 it's just so hard to You know what I'm saying? Like to to look small whatsoever. But uh, bodybuilding stuff at six, two, isn't it?
0: Yeah. You know, the bigger you are, it's harder to to gain size. Why is that? uh, I mean, all your muscle fibers are much longer. I mean, you've got to do do more work. You know, no disrespect to the shorter fellas, but I mean, short is short and it's easy to gain weight when you're five, 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 six, five, seven.
1: Right. There's not a lot of places Mm -hmm. to put it.
0: Yeah, I mean, like from my hip to my knee is probably three quarters of their leg. So, I mean, so it's relative. Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: well stated. So you got any new uh,
2: comp? What's think? the show you're doing? Uh, yeah.
0: Um, my coach has me set up to do uh, Omaha in October. Uh, and then hopefully if all goes well, we'll turn around and get to pick which national show we want to go to. So uh, it'll either be uh, Masters in California in November uh, or open in Florida in December.
1: Okay. Nice. We got uh, a, <clears throat> so let's go back to the beginning. You know what I mean? Because, you know, how old are you now? If you don't mind I'm us asking?
0: I'm on the brink of turning 47.
1: 47 years old. The guy looks absolutely incredible if you guys don't know him, but he's in phenomenal shape. And the question is, is like people that listen to this podcast, we're, we do this specifically to give people an insight on, you know, what we would consider to be as Kansas city's best fitness, uh, people, people that have been able to make a a living out of their passion, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's difficult to do. And, um, that's relatively new for you. So sorry. It's relatively new for you. Yep. And you know, it's never like the point of this is that it's just never too late, you know, to do, to pursue something that you're super passionate about. Right. And, um, you know, you've got kids, you know, you've got Nina, you know, um, you got this situation where it's like, you know, you have to balance all these things and then say, you know, should I quit my job and go full out and, and open a gym? Right. You know? And so I want to get into that kind of story. Um, when did that start?
0: So, um, the fitness journey for me probably started, you know, when I was, when I was a small boy, you know, I, uh, I was watching TV when I was five and, uh, I was watching a soccer game on TV and I was, a, I was, I was, more so amazed at how the fans were reacting to the players, more so than the game, because uh, I was clueless. I didn't really know what was going on, and in my mind, I was like, "I want to do that," you know, to have those people like be cheering and screaming for those people. So, you know, I it kind of set me on a path <laughs> to where, um, um, you know, I, I became an apprentice footballer. It's kind of like uh, being like an apprentice for a trade. You but in for-
1: but in Australia, they call it this. You're saying,
0: yeah. Uh huh. So, you know, that's a tough time, you know, times back then are different than now, especially with what you've got to go through. I mean, you know, I slept on the floor for a couple of years. And like when I say I slept on the floor, I was on the floor and, uh, you know, at the end of each month, you know, where the next meal was going to come from, but how know, old
1: were you when this was going on?
0: 16, 17, 18, mm-hmm. that two year span to turn eight, you know, before you turn 18 and they offer you a pro deal. Uh, is is uh, soccer so,
2: huge over in uh, Australia?
0: It's actually the fifth tier sport. It's really? behind uh, rugby league, rugby union, Aussie rules, cricket at the time, and then soccer. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, just like here in the states, there's there's a number of sports ahead of ahead of soccer or what we call football. So, you know, it's it makes the graft even harder because <clears throat> the money, uh, you know, at that time it was decent, but still wasn't comparable to the other sports. So. You know, so even as an apprentice, you know, the club's giving you $200 for a food for an entire month. And, you That's know, you, wild. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you, you, even if you manage your money well, you're running out of money at the end of the month. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to be willing to do things. And, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, going to fast food restaurants and, you know, stealing the ketchup packets because in Australia, like you know, condiments and drinks, you don't get free refills or free condiments. It's, you know, you got to pay for it. Oh, that's
2: why you left. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so
0: one of the reasons. Got to get out of here. So, uh, so yeah, I, re- I remember like, you know, stealing condiment packets, uh, sp- specifically ketchup, and and at the end of the month when things were tight, you know, I'd, I'd put that ketchup in a saucepan with water and I'd, I'd make tomato soup out of it, and I'd get through the last couple of days, you know, either doing tomato soup or... ramen noodles only using half a packet of the seasoning and putting the seasoning in the water and making like a chicken broth to get through the last couple days in the month and
1: holy shit yeah man
0: i mean so you know the being how old were you here 17 yeah yeah but
1: so is this traditional route in in so help us in the states you know culturally you know you're basically just you're going to be going to high school until you're 18 you know, and like that's just everybody that goes to, you know, it's, it's very traditional. I'd just say in the U S to that be the case, was it remotely traditional to do the path that you did or is oh, yeah, no, everybody I, else is in high school or what's going I, on I there?
0: Mean, I, I was still going to school. So, I mean, I wanted to be a footballer, so these were just the, the things that you did. So, you know, I, I was still finishing high school. Um, you know, I was, a I, I started school early. So when I entered year one, I was four turning five. So when I graduated high school, I was, uh, you know, I was turning 17, you know, it's calendar, the school in Australia's calendar year, so it's January through December. Gotcha. So, so I graduated in, in 92, Uh, you know, I just turned 17. So, so uh, um, knocked all that out. And, you know, that really probably uh, ingrained my work ethic and the grind and the graft and be accepting of things that, you know, no one's going to give you nothing until it's, it's, you know, in your back pocket. So, you know, I remember those days and, and it's kind of probably set me on the path that I did so you know I played several years as a as a footballer in Australia and then and, uh, you know seven knee operations later it's like I need to reevaluate life a little bit 7 7 so seven knee operations <coughs> so all same knee or both six on one and one on the other so my right leg's the good leg because it's only had one so <laughs> but uh yeah two ACLs four arthroscopic cleanups and a patella tendon surgery all cuz of soccer so and they say it's a non-contact sport. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but uh, I- immigrated here to the US in 2000 and um, started college coaching. Just transitioned straight into football because that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and you were done. You're done with your professional career. I was, done,
0: I was done. So this is around
1: 30 years old or so.
0: I was 25. Okay. So, uh, so 18 to 25, and and then over uh should have played golf that's what I should have done. <laughs> um but uh immigrated here started a college coaching career uh that was was uh very eventful and successful <laughs> um uh, not a lot of people know um uh that uh, that I did that I kind of keep that in my my back pocket I don't really talk about my past a lot you know past is behind you it's what you're trying to work towards and that's in front of you sure uh, if someone asks I'm happy to tell them but um so, uh, coached here, uh, got a couple rings. They sit in the drawer just like everything else. So, uh, and then, um, I, you know, I just kind of woke up one morning. and was like, man, what, what am I doing here? You know, I, I was married at the time. I had two kids, uh, ex-wife <laughs> and, um, uh, I get ahead of you guys. So you don't ask. Yeah. yeah you don't ask those questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then, uh, um you know i hadn't lived in the same state as my kids for six years because being a, a college coach if you want to be successful it's very transient very military uh type living you know you're here a couple of years you do great you get moved on you go to the next school the next school and absolutely and, and for me the goal was to you know as a pro you want to play at the highest level on the highest team so for me the highest level is division one men's soccer so i wanted to get to division I men's soccer. So, Um, when I finally got there, I realized, wow, this really wasn't worth it, you know, uh, with everything that, that I'd done, you know, from being a player to being a coach. Um, so I just, I just straight walked away from it.
1: What was the variables, uh, of being a division one men's coach that made it feel like it wasn't all it's cracked up to be?
0: Um, super ruthless. It's just like being a pro, uh, you know, a pro coach. And I think the epiphany for me realizing that, um, soccer in America is exactly like it is in Australia. It's, it's considered way down low on the totem pole and, you know, when you go in for an athletic department meeting, you know, the first word your athletic director says to you is don't bring attention to the men's football program here, meaning American football. Mm-hmm. And the rest of you guys just go about your business, kind of, you know, let you know that, you know, you're just, you're a part of something. You're not, you're not anything special. So, you know, so you unless
1: don't you, bring attention to it.
0: You don't draw attention and otherwise, in other words, you know, don't get a violation. Don't bring make the NCAA want to come look at us for any reason because you're screwing up. Because then they'll look at everything. Right. So
2: is that in Australia? Is it the same as in, in America, where basically college athletics is, is primarily driven by money? So obviously football is the the number one watch mm. sport in in America, and so it drives the most eyeballs, which drives the most money. Is it the same way in, in Australia? Like, is, are with, people really watching cricket or with yeah, rugby? Are, are people watching cricket more than r- r- soccer in Australia?
0: Right. So, um, so in high school, you have <clears throat> a certain amount of athletics. So you might have track and field in high school. Uh, you might have a popular sport like uh, cricket for, for boys, uh, field hockey for girls. But that's really it. I mean, you're at school to do school. And then when you go to university, oh. there are no sports in university. You're, you're there to prepare yourself for your next chapter of your life. So uh, sports is very club driven or club orientated. So, you know, if you're a female or a male and you're playing sports uh, whilst in university, or if you've left high school and worked, it's, it's straight into that club environment, that semi-professional professional, whatever level you're at, or, you know, the recreation or whatever it is it's the, the two are not connected so really
2: yeah yeah because in america it's like the opposite of that it's you right. know people get you know if you're a great soccer player you get brought to the to the school and you know your soccer coaches the you know, first thing you got to care about is soccer and then right. the second thing you can care about is athlete. you know your academics right right which you know it sounds like in australia it's pretty much like people don't you know it's it's academics first and then you know, yeah. sports second.
0: So the only two countries in the world that have the similar setup with uh, university sports and and academics is, is Japan and the U.S. Really? And uh, I wasn't ready to learn Japanese, so, <laughs> and the U.S. looked a lot more inviting, so even though it was further away. But, um, <clears throat> you know, part of my success is, is after having the background that I had, you know, I emphasized uh, academics ahead of the football because – you know, you bring a kid in that's a little bit more cerebral than the next. It's easier for it's, their coachability is a lot more higher. Uh, you can teach them higher level things tactically and technically. And then that, that correlates onto the field. So, um, you know, I had a lot of success as a, as a college head coach. Um, uh, there are days I miss it. There are days that I don't miss it. Um, you know, currently I'm helping out at Rockhurst University on a, on a volunteer basis when I can, just to kind of, you know, keep my finger on the pulse a little bit. And Sure. Th- you know, those days are good. Uh, but then there's also, like, you know, the gym is the priority, so
2: is uh is, is is soccer a cerebral sport like when you watch soccer this is just from uh, the outside looking in it just seems like you know you have a bunch of guys, the best soccer players would be the ones who can run the fastest and have the best ball handling skills but you know in, in soccer especially at that level are there are there plays involved that you guys are calling
0: yeah so uh soccer is is uh mentally very high level sport um you know, a lot of people think it's just a bag of balls and where you go. Uh, it's it's actually not like that at all. Um, you know, when you play soccer, it's it's kind of like chess. Uh, you have to have the ability to think maybe three, four, five passes ahead. So the movement, uh, what they call the movement off the ball, has to be at a pretty decent level because you've got to try to anticipate things. Uh, so now instead of being reactionary, you're you're actionary. You're you're causing the the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, where the u.s struggles and why they probably haven't won a world cup and it's just my opinion there'll be a lot of haters when they hear this is is that they've so heavily relied on the stronger faster bigger Mm -hmm. athlete uh and they forgot about that and it's like comparing checkers to chess Mm -hmm. so the guy that
2: our chicks won a a world cup didn't they
0: yeah purely on athleticism yeah (laughs) so (laughs) so um Uh, I'll tell you a story about the U.S. women's soccer team. So when I was out in California, um, they had a closed-door training session before the last World Cup. And uh, in that training session, they played against a a U16 LA Galaxy boys' academy team. They crushed them. Got wiped. the boys' academy team crushed them. Yeah. Crushed them. Uh, They couldn't keep up with them athletically. 16-year-old boys couldn't keep up with them athletically. Boys are knocking 50-, 60-yard diagonal balls across the field and just, just spread them out and lit them up. So
2: soccer also seems like one of those sports where, you know, as soon as some as soon as a boy goes through puberty, he can probably play at a high level. You know, it's similar to like basketball Mm -hmm. almost where you have basketball players. Hockey's a lot like
1: that as well. I mean, you can play at a high level
2: at 16
0: years old. Right.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, as a coach
0: for me, it was, you know, age was never a factor. You know, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the whole like freshman, sophomore, junior, senior thing here, uh, a lot of kids get impacted. Like, well, freshmen got to sit, seniors get to play. Um, You You had a best
1: players play mentality there?
0: Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. If you're good enough, you're going to play for me. I don't care how old you are. How
1: how does the coaching correlate uh, now? Because I know you coach athletes for bodybuilding and uh, got to be very (laughs) different, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: You know, um, for me, when we, uh, when we opened the gym, it, um, you know, the coaching of the athlete really, it it wasn't something that I thought about initially you know Nina and I you know we we opened Brickyard because we wanted you know a space for people to come and enjoy and have that gym environment and have a vibe that not a lot of gyms have um yeah. and uh you know when we got into it obviously we both competes uh she competed uh before I uh before I did and and then when we got into it people would keep coming to me and asking me you know how to do this or how to do that, and, and it was actually Nina that said, "Baby, you know you should probably just start coaching people. You know it's what you do." So, um, um you know, kind of the fundamentals that I use coaching uh, soccer, I I do coaching my athletes. You know, there's a there's a lot of communication, there's a lot of follow up, um, there's accountability. You know, I have uh, I have three levels of of client that I take on that I coach, and you know, I have a, a client that's a, a like a lifestyle client where they're just looking to you know, maybe, you know, fix things a little bit here and there, maybe tighten up their diet, tighten up their workout, they need a little bit of guidance. Um, I have a uh, uh, a healthy lifestyle type client where it's a medical issue, where like, you know, the doctor has said, you know, like, you've got to do something because this is going the wrong direction for you. So, uh, so we can kind of make that a little bit more tailor made. Uh, and then the third one is competition, which is probably the most stringent uh, where the accountability factor is, you know, through communication several times a week. And, um, you know, I'm texting, I'm calling. You know, I might do a surprise FaceTime call to see what you're eating around a time that you're eating to make sure you're, Damn. you're eating mm-hmm. what you're supposed to be eating and stuff like that. So what was a
1: funny uh, thing that uh, you you've, know, you've surprised FaceTime somebody. What is something that you've, you've caught somebody doing, which is hilarious? At a um, McDonald's.
0: <laughs> no no so they don't so, answer do they yeah no so I, I i tell my people if it's not on the if it's not on the plan don't put it in your mouth yeah and um i had a client whose numbers weren't moving and i decided to uh to, to call this individual uh during a, a time when i thought that they would be eating a meal and said hey how's it going and and they were like good just getting ready to uh start meal number three i said awesome facetime me and uh, they were like, well, I'm not in a place where I can FaceTime. I'm like, I don't care. FaceTime me. Let me see what you're eating. And uh, they FaceTime on the meal, and there was all this, like, white stuff on top of their food. And I was like.
2: Oh, ranch. I
0: was like. Uh, so no way. I was like, so what's that? Uh, Sour cream. I said, so what's that on top there? And she goes, oh, it's this amazing yogurt dressing I found. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Bolthouse Farms. I said, can you send me the uh, name of that so I can look it up real quick? And, and um it was great stuff. But was it Bullhouse
1: Farms yogurt dressing?
0: I don't remember the exact name, okay. but um, um, I asked her, I said, how many of these meals a day are you putting them on? you putting it on all of them or just like one or two? And she goes, oh, no, I put it on all of them. So, uh, so she, she had blown up her fats uh, every day. She was probably drowning in 120, 130 grams of fat every day just from the dressing that she was putting on her meals. The meals were great. The meals were perfect. Yeah. It was just the stuff that was sitting on top of it. Oh, never
2: mind on that. So House it's, Farms it's, like it's funny how uh, people will take what you say and they kind of run it through their own filter and then they they decide like well you know this probably isn't that bad and and also people can be pretty into the fitness industry and they yep. they get sucked in by um marketing still right so they'll walk down a, an aisle yep. and they'll see obviously it was a yogurt dressing so what does most people think yep. well that's healthy you know i should right. be able to use that one because it's healthy right. And uh, they don't even think to look on the back and say, well, you know, it's 40. And a lot of things it, it, for anybody who's listening to check the serving size because serving size is, is everything. A lot of on times sauces specifically. a serving size on sauce, they'll do a teaspoon. And right. I'm like, a teaspoon? Yeah. A teaspoon. Like, there, there's absolutely nobody. I put a teaspoon on every bite. Yeah, I was about right. to say, there's absolutely nobody that's using a teaspoon of this sauce. Right. And they'll be like, yeah, it's only 40 calories per serving, but it's a teaspoon serving.
0: Well, you know, uh, um, we, we've all been tricked into thinking that we're eating healthy by through TV or media and sure. things, things like that. Sure. You, know, the, you, know, the, you know, I do a little Q&A with people when, they, when I first interact with them just to kind of get, get a gauge on what their eating habits are like and quantities and stuff like that so I can help better build a program that they're capable of handling instead of, like, crashing and burning. And um, you always get this, oh, I, I eat healthy, and then we start to break down the foods that they eat, and, you know, it. it they are actually eating, like, like, healthy based on what we know from the media. Uh, but then when you start to break the numbers down, it's like, well, you know, like for example, you know, a single banana is like thirty grams of carbs, and most of it's sugar. Mm-hmm. You smash through a couple of bananas a day, well, you've blown up your sugars for the day, and, and you know those carbs are are, are adding onto the P- list. People
1: really, really don't like it when you tell them you can't have fruit. Right? It's pretty wild.
2: Well, you yeah. can, dude. You got to have fruit. Fruit's vital to, to health. But what you what you're talking about is the the portion size yep. of fruit. That's what I mean. Right. Because right. the thing is, is you know, and this kind of goes back to yogurt a lot. A lot of people will want to do a big bowl of yogurt, and they'll want to throw in, you know. All the additives. In every the every treats. different piece of, of yeah. fruit known to man. Right. Um, how, do you, how do you help people get through that? A lot of times what I do is just tell them, like, do berries or do, you know, things right. that are smaller portions of uh, carbohydrates.
0: Yeah. I mean, anything that has the word berry in it is probably the best fruit to eat. Um, strawberries, blackberries, blueberries. Mm-hmm. Blueberries probably first on that list. Um, but again, you know, with the three clients I have, you know, when I do their nutritional plan, everything's breaked out into portions. Yeah. And, and I explain to them that, you know, this is the portion size that I want you to consume, uh, because this is where you're going to have the most success based on your age, height, and weight. Um, and then, um, my competition clients don't get this sheet, but I, I created a food analytic sheet, which creates a variety for the customer. So when you get the, you get the nutrition plan for me, It's, um, you know, it might say a category one protein and then I may have a suggestion. So let's just say, you know, ground chicken breast. Um, So if you don't want to eat the ground chicken breast, you go to the the ancillary sheet, then look up category one proteins and you've got like eight or 10 different proteins to Mm -hmm. select from to substitute in there uh, to create variety as long as you're following the, the number, right? So if it's three and a half ounces or if it's six ounces, whatever that is. The math's already been done. You just get to pick something that's different. So so there's actually, you know, uh, between, like, you know, the different uh, low-sodium uh, spices that you can use, uh, any sort of spice that, that is, uh, like thermogenically enhanced you know like a, a pepper a cayenne pepper stuff like that or um or even like there's a there's a ton of companies out there now doing sugar-free condiments but even though sugar-free does not necessarily mean sugar-free am mm-hmm. just saying they should say low sugar yeah but um you know they it just offers so much more variety because <clears throat> really what's happening is 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 flavor gets taken away from you the cleaner you eat flavor gets taken away so if you can if you can Add, add or create flavor; it just makes it easier to consume, and you can, as long as you're tricking your mind or the mind, it's it's doable.
2: It's, it's very much so. American diet, you know, outside of people who are focused on eating healthy, it's so hyper palatable yep. that it it skews people's. Uh, perception of what is flavorful, right. right? Because we're so used to having things that are high sugar, high fat. And when you have, you know, a donut, right. you're like, this is great. And it, it, you know, it, it basically makes it to where you have a banana and you're like, oh, this is just It's not as good, you know, not as high of carbohydrates, no fat in it. Um, And it's 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 hard to basically bring people back and, and get them. But in my experience, the more that somebody eats clean, the better the food tastes over time.
1: It's wild how that works, too. You know, I'll go a week of being really on my game as far as eating nothing but, you know, food that I that I made myself. Right. Right um, being a bachelor for so many years, <clears throat> I got so in the habit of just eating food out and getting it delivered, whatever. Yep. And, uh, if I, if I eat just, you know what I'm supposed to eat for a week, if I have like a piece of cantaloupe or blueberry or whatever, you're like, man, this tastes amazing. Like, right. wow, this tastes so sweet.
2: Cantaloupe sucks, dude. <laughs> just throwing that out there, dude. Cantaloupe. You, you literally use cantaloupe as your first Cant- cantaloupe cantaloupe is one of those things that i grew up, said, up with as a he kid said, <laughs> berries blueberries strawberries like come on th- those delicious cantaloupe all, all those things are good but i <laughs> i enjoy <laughs> pineapple
1: in
0: moderation.
2: pineapple
1: dude actually i'm not a Pineapple's huge fan of pineapple the, the absolute best not not my favorite It's of like a sour taste to it that i don't like as much i enjoy <laughs> cantaloupe i don't like i don't enjoy honeydew as much but i do enjoy some cantaloupe
0: so just know your palate is uh uh, garbage <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys
1: you guys are gonna hate on cantaloupe you're telling me right now you don't enjoy cantaloupe
0: melon is a little boring yeah watermelon no melon that's what we call it uh, yeah it, it is a type of melon orange. cantaloupe's orange right
1: what's well, it yeah yeah so yeah.
0: You, can, you can get a green cantaloupe and an orange cantaloupe yeah the Elf green
1: cantaloupe's honeydew it's gross yeah yeah. Yeah. Not as much flavor there, but dude, cantaloupe's I mean, good. Not,
0: it's both of those will stay on the shelf in the grocery store for me. Oh,
1: that's fine. <laughs> my mom, my mom scooped out some cantaloupe as a kid for me. And that was all I ate. That was great. Uh, Anyways, moving on. <laughs> we got to dwell on that. No, no, it's cool. You know, if you want to, if you want to, if anybody wants to give me some cantaloupe, I'm psyched. Yeah. No, like me. Hey. You can hate up. on it all you want. Hook them up. Steve, let's talk about the fact that, you were doing something completely corporate before you were opening a gym. Correct. Yep. Can we explain that? Because that's one of those things where there's going to be some people listening to this that are in this hamster wheel where they're thinking in their head, like, you know, I got, you know, all these responsibilities. There's no way I could possibly do what I've been dreaming of
0: doing forever. And, uh,
1: you said, screw that. I'm just going to go up and do it.
0: Right. So, uh, so after sixteen years of college coaching uh, and just up and walked away from it, I, I entered the the private sector. Uh, I was working for a uh, um, I was working for a large, a very significantly large uh, pest company uh, as a salesman initially and uh, clueless. I'd never sold anything in my life,
1: but you killed it though.
0: So uh, so started and. Um, uh seven months in seven months into the job I, I get a call from my boss and says my boss's boss wants to meet with you and i was like well oh, shit this is short term wasn't it and yeah mm-hmm. I guess i'm not not cut out for sales and um he sits down and this is a this is a friday um th- in fact this is the friday that i met nina so it's 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 a it's a very memorable day for me um we're at we're at lunch and he goes so you got to tell me what's happening I said, "Well, Dave, you called the meeting, so I really don't know what's happening." He goes, <laughs> he goes, "Let's talk about your numbers." And I said, uh, "Are they not good enough?" And he goes, "Well, he goes. Actually, it's the opposite of that." And he goes, "For someone that has no experience, like zero, none." Um, he goes, y- "Your numbers are just not normal. We don't, we don't understand what's well, happening."
1: Yeah, and then he meets you and he's like, "Well, you're not normal. You're the most likable person."
0: Right. So, uh, yeah. so he goes, he goes, what well, he goes help me understand how you're selling all these customers. And I said, well, I, I don't think that I am selling them. I said, when I walk in, I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm, I'm trying to offer them a partnership. So I told him, I said, everyone that I spoke to, I was looking at them as like a recruit, and I'm trying to recruit you to come be a part of my team. So uh, so he's like, oh, okay. He goes, I can see how that would work. And and um, you know, he said, well, what's your, if I was to ask you what's your best asset? And I said, well, there's only one of me, so there's only, only so much good I can do. I said, but if you put me in a room with 20 people, I said, I'll make those 20 people be far better than they think they can be. So now you've got 20 versions of me running around. And he's like, okay. Uh, so he offered me a branch manager's position in Wichita. I was in Kansas City at the time, and he said, we've got a branch that's not working down there, and why don't you go down there and see if you can turn it around. And um, I was like, sure. I said, but I'll only do Wichita for a year. I said, then you got to bring me back. And I said, is that part of the deal? And he's like, Sure. So <clears throat> went down to Wichita and um, knocked it out the park. It was it was probably done in six months, seven months, and just kind of hung out there for the last three or four months. And um, at the by this time, I'd already m- I met Nina that Friday and moved to Wichita Monday, so uh, met her a couple times between there coming up to visit friends and and um, uh, you know we started dating. And you know I was driving up at that point every weekend, and I said, look, you know we're we're at a year. It's time to move back to Kansas City. I've I've got companies which I, I did. I had companies reaching out to me, you know, wanting me to come work for them. And I mm-hmm. think I think they they tried to call bullshit a little bit on my, you know, me telling them that. So they're like, <coughs> well, you know, we can't move you back. We've got to keep you here, keep you. here. And I said, I just told them like, you've got thirty days. You know, I'm on salary. That's your. You should game. have
2: been like, have you guys been to Wichita? Like, it's been right. a year. Like, <laughs> a year is long yeah. enough. I've done right. what I needed to do here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ja- I'm yeah. from Wichita, by the way. Jail,
0: so. jail sentence served. So, uh, um, and I, I, just, I genuinely think that they thought that I was, I was bluffing, and and I got three days out from the thirty days, and I started packing my stuff up, and they're like, well, what? And I was like, well, I gave you thirty days notice, twenty-seven days ago. So, yeah. I said, if you can make magic happen in three days, otherwise I'm out.
1: I can't believe like the level of sincerity in which you speak and, you know, what you have done and how hard you worked that they really just thought that they could just pull this bullshit. Well,
0: that's big business. When you're a billion-dollar company, you can do whatever you want.
1: Yeah, Uh, I mean, like, but just, I don't know, man, the the conversation that he had with you and him, you know, just, I don't know, I I don't feel like billion-dollar companies become billion-dollar companies treating people like that.
2: No, What happens is they eventually get watered down. The, the, if to get to a billion dollar company, you eventually have sold away parts of your company. Most likely you're not, you know, solely owned by the original owner and sure, you know, along the way they've, they've watered down the processes to the point where they get this dude that's, you know, over you, who's a turd and made a promise that he couldn't keep.
0: You know, I, I think it, you know, they, they offered me more money, but it wasn't about the money at that point. I I was making more money coaching soccer in California than I, than I have made since I've moved back. So. Um, so it was never about the money, uh, you know. It was about getting back, and you know, a promise was made, and, and you know, I'm a pretty loyal, uh, loyal guy. You know, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'll do it. Um, you know, I'll go to bat for you, and until you, you know, you, you do something that either crosses me or you know makes me look bad inadvertently or or purposefully, and and you know, at the time for me it was just to walk away because a promise had been broken. So um, and I just walked straight into another job here in Kansas City. You know, it was. Mm-hmm. You know, when I gave them 30 days notice, I gave these guys 30 days notice that I was coming back. And literally the day after my contract with, with them was done, i signed another contract with the company up here. And um, What were you selling up here? So I was the director of operations for, a, uh, um, for an underground uh, marking company. So when you see the little flags sticking out of the ground with the paint sprayed all over the, the black top of the grass or, you know, you come home and someone's been in your yard and they've pummeled it with flags and paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's the kind of the company that i worked for so um so i was with those guys for about two and a half years and and um you know i, I would tell nina that <laughs> you know, the best way i could describe what was happening to me after after being in an environment of athletics and coaching and in sports for my whole life and then transitioning into this private sector so i was two years in uh, in kansas city wichita with the first company and then a little over two years with the second company um, I felt like a zoo exhibit. So, you know, when a zoo brings in, like, the new lion mm-hmm. like, or the new tiger, you know. Yeah, that, they always, that, always that, have to, like, you know, pimp it out. That big son of a bitch is pacing around like he owns the place. He, he's, the, he's the, you know, the big swinging dick in the zoo. And, like, everyone wants to go see him. And, but then give it about a year then that 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 line or that tiger is casting that lonely shadow walking the same fence line and mm-hmm. it looked so demoralized and like didn't want to be there like just i want to go into a corner curl up and die and that that's what uh that's what life was turning into me for you know from being this like outside environment to in coaching and everything to sitting behind a computer screen you know eight nine ten hours a day i mean it was like sucking the life
2: out of me literally mm-hmm. and, um, i think that's a good lesson and you know if you have somebody that's like that who is a stud that comes working for your company, if you are not consistently challenging them, you're going to lose them. That's yeah. just the way that goes. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, so I, I was having actually pre, pre-COVID, I was having the conversation with Nina. Like, I was like, you know, uh, I want to buy something. I said, um, I, you know, let's, let's look at a liquor store or let's look at a convenience store or let's look at a gym, you know, something that has clientele where it's interactive, where, you know, you can... Uh, you, you know, you can meet people and yeah, be the face, if you will, be the face of the business. So we met with a couple uh, gym people. And, um, you know, the, the, the price was why well, I just felt like the price was too high. <clears throat> and uh, um,
1: where were you guys looking as just to, to give our listeners an insight as to how this process goes? Yeah,
0: so we live in Leewood, So I wanted to initially stay close to the community that we we had known for a really long time. A lot of people know Nina and I, uh, down south, um, where we live, you know, we worked out at uh, at the the old gym that we that we worked out at, at Lifetime. You know, everyone in that gym knew who who. Oh we yeah, were. you guys were consistent as hell. Yeah, you know, so, day in uh, and day out. Um, you know the restaurants that we went to, so you know we had a, a you know a decent group of people with. If we went somewhere, we knew someone and we could have a drink sure. with them or whatever. Um, so we looked down south and we you know we just couldn't find something that that. For me, that was workable. The
1: rent down south is just silly.
0: Yeah, the rent. And, and then, uh, you know, you can't, I don't think you should be selling a business on clientele because at any minute your clientele could walk out with the previous owner. You know, mm. let's let's come up with a number and, and then, you know, go from there. So we kind of just, you know, shied away from it a little bit and, and then COVID hit. And uh, I, I was placed on staff reduction because I was, you know, one of the highest salary people at the company I was at. And, and then Nina... You know, she uh, obviously all the schools shut down, so she was working as a uh, administrator at a school, and um, you know we just kind of looked at each other and said, "What do you want to do?" And uh, uh, it was her mum that actually said, "You know, I've, I've got a space. Why don't you build your own gym and uh, come look at the space?" So we went and looked at the space and you know we were walking around and <clears throat> if you saw the space before what it looks like now you would you would never think that there would be a gym going in there. oh we got
1: to we got to get some before pics cuz i remember seeing it you know halfway through yeah, and so. I was just like, "Holy shit!" So, <laughs>
0: like, you're trying to imagine walls not being there and walls being here and like add-ons. And the
1: stuff. building alone was over 100 years that, old, to, right?
0: Yeah, it's part of the old. Uh, it's part of the old uh, original distillery where they they made all the alcohol and re, where the J. Rieger uh, uh, is now is is actually where the bottling plant used to be. Uh, in the buildings um, in Grenot, there that, that Nina's mom owns mm-hmm. that that's where all the liquor was was made. Um, and then when Prohibition hit, uh, they ran ice through there and they ran all these other things through there. And then, then there was, you know, a big flood happened down there. And so, but yeah, it's like, so for example, the buildings down there are over 100 years old. So we've, we've tore some of the plaster off, uh, off one of the walls to expose some of the brick that's over 100 years old. So that way you can see it.
2: It's, it's just, really cool to have a gym that's, you know, Kansas City, that, that era of Kansas City during Prohibition, Um, when Pendergast, you know, basically ran the city, that's such an interesting, uh, the wild West here, man. Yeah, it's like the wild West. They called it the Las Vegas or sin city of the Midwest. Right. And, uh, Mm -hmm. it's really cool that you have a gym that basically was such, or you have a gym in a building that was such a big part of that, you know?
0: Yeah. We felt, uh, we felt a little bit guilty on, in one of our rooms. Uh, they still had the original rail tracks in there that came from outer side of the building into the building and, and, uh, we had to uh we had to level the floor so we had to put uh, uh I refused to put concrete straight over the top of them so we put a plaster over the top of the train tracks first and then and then put uh, the concrete over the top of the plaster so if anyone ever wants to get to it they can get to it without that too much trouble but uh cool but uh yeah so um you know we, we went down look at the space and um, you know we started talking while we we're in the space or oh, you know what about if this was here and this was there and and we kind of, we put uh, together a vision board and a business plan and, you know, kind of ran it through through a couple people, see what they thought. And and, uh, and then we just kind of had a holy shit moment, let's do it. And uh, we ended up, we, t- we flipped the space uh, in 14 weeks. Dude, so quick. It's so, crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, we were in there. Um, I mean, we were in there every day. It was like, for, for us, Brickyard Fitness started in, in, uh, in June. And when construction started and right up to the day that we were opening i mean we were you know it was a it was a dream flip to be honest with you uh with the exception of uh um with one incident that took place with uh with our mirrors um uh, but you'll have to come in a brickyard to hear the story because it's a visual story you need you (laughs) You have to see it. it you have to see it to believe it um but uh, but yeah, it went really well, and then we opened in August, and and uh, this is August of 2020 August or the, August of 2021. August of 2020. So uh, so we're either going to turn out to be geniuses by opening this business in a full on pandemic, uh, or we'll, we're fools. But I think we're geniuses because we're still here and we're plugging away and coming up on two years. So it's
1: exciting, man. Yeah, you know, a really crazy. I mean, I know this is a plug, but I mean, like at this point, I want to, I want, I want our listeners to hear this because. Um, I know you guys have just launched this crazy deal for May, and this is going to come out in May. So, what's the deal that you guys have going on at Brickyard for people that actually want to try it out?
0: Yeah, so you know, people want to always get ready for the pool, the the beach, summer, everything like that. So, we're doing a May a May membership sale where uh, we're offering it's twenty nine ninety nine a month plus tax for a year commitment, and uh, our our regular membership is forty nine ninety nine. So, it's it's a pretty big cut, uh, you know uh, come in and check the place out. First visit's free on, on Nina and I. And and if you like it, sign up and and let's get going, be part of the Brickyard family.
1: That's cool, man. We, uh, so yeah, Mr. Just to reiterate first visit's always free. And then if you want to sign up in May, it's a $20 discount a month
0: for the whole year. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: It's wild. Um, I want to ask about this too, because there's a lot of people that are listening to this and I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'd like to open a gym someday. Tell them about why they shouldn't want to open a gym someday. And then tell them about why they should, you know what I mean? Like what's the cool takeaway and then what's the also pros just like this and the sh- cons. This okay. shit you never thought of until you owned one. You know what I mean?
0: Okay. So it's always good to start with the negatives and finish with the positives for sure. So, uh, the negatives is, uh, the first 127 days we were open. I was, uh, I was working 110 hours a week. Yeah. So to put that in perspective, that there would be th- nearly three full-time jobs that you have to work through the course of a, of a week. Um, and you were
1: just working the is this is working the the desk to, to the, the, ensure that you're greeting every single person that walks yeah, in
0: yeah part, part of uh part of what Nina and I have created there is is we know the name of every person that walks in that in that door so it's very personalized we we want to build a sense of community so that way you know we, we know who our members are what they're about and everything like that and and I think they appreciate that um you know uh, we go above and beyond for for people that are you know have need have special needs and stuff like that. So <clears throat> you know we have a. We have a member that recently, she broke her leg, uh, but she was still coming into the gym. And every time she'd get to the gym, you know, we'd say, all right, Joe, what's up? What are you working today? And we'd go set all the equipment up for her. So that way she didn't have to try to lug stuff around with crutches and, and so forth. So she basically came in, did her workout, and we packed up after, and she left. So That's awesome. And so, you know, just stuff like that. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that, that, you know, it's the details that matter. Um, Absolutely, man. Um, negatives, you know, when you're a business owner, you're tied to your business 24 seven. I mean, literally 24 seven in, uh, in two years, we've not really had any time away from the gym whatsoever. And if we have, it's still been fitness related and it's not been like, oh, it's, like it's
1: been you guys going to compete. Yes. Pretty much. You know, or
0: watching your clients compete. Right. So, um, so still, still tied to the gym. Um, positives. Um, every time I go to work and I pull in through the gate and I look at the sign, that's my sign. That's Nina's sign. That's our sign. That's something that we've created and, and built with, with our own hands, literally. Um, you know, if you're, if you're invested in your product and you're willing to put the time in and, uh, and, and not take any money from it uh, initially, uh, I think the positives will always come on the back end. Uh, I think sometimes the negative on, on people that open a business, they want to make money straight away, and that's not real world that's delay different. gratification yeah mm-hmm. you know i i i, I use this it's the matrix effect with everything everyone wants the red pill or the blue pill and they want it yesterday mm-hmm. um and you know i i didn't know this when we opened the gym but um typically gym turnaround for profit and successibility doesn't actually start until your third year in business mm-hmm. so it's even longer than most businesses they say like you know if you can survive your first two years you've made it well, in a gym, it's three. So th- there's another kicker on the backside that you got to you got to go a whole another year. So,
1: mm. with that um, being said, what's next for
0: Brickyard then? Um, you know, for us, it's day to day. You know, obviously, we want to uh, we want to increase our our clientele. Um, you know, we do do these vendor boot camps which is is kind of unique where we bring you guys in and and um some other vendors and it's kind of a theme to boot camp so like for may it's it's our second annual like uh superhero mayhem boot camp where you know the workouts revolved around like all the marvel and the dc characters and stuff like that and um and making it fun and making it fun yeah so uh and then uh you know just to grow the brickyard brand it, it was amazing uh, the show that we just went to in St. Louis where we had uh, competitors competing, um, you know, not even lying about this. There must have been 20, 25 people in the audience that had Brickyard Fitness shirts on. Very cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, uh, not, not being biased, but I've been told our logo is pretty cool. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah. it's just, you know, getting our brand out there and networking as much as we can. Um, Speaking
1: of the logo, let's tell the story behind the, the dog and Brickyard Fitness's logo.
0: So the dog is actually the star of the gym. It's not Nina and I. People tell us it's Nina and I. It's (laughs) not. It's the dog. So uh, uh, the dog in the logo is is Jet. Um, uh, She's our Italian Mastiff. Uh, She's a cane corso. Um, The image in the logo is actually a, a photograph taken of her when she was four months old standing in her backyard. She's actually looking at the neighbor's yard. There's a dog in the neighbor's yard. And uh, our logo guy <coughs> imposed the, the the photo of her out and kind of inserted it into that logo. And the minute Nina and I saw it, we were like, "Yes, that's it." Mm-hmm. That's you know, we wanted kind of an old school round logo, kind of like the old, old boxing gyms used to have round logos and stuff. Absolutely, something, something that's that's clean, simple, um, you know, appealing. Um, we have a secondary logo which is just a letter B that has her in in the center of the logo. Then we're just a little BYF off to the side, that's kind of a secondary logo that we haven't really even released yet. But uh, but our primary logo is, is all about the dog and and uh, and the gym. So very cool. And she's there every day. So uh, she she uh, she's having some time off now. She she's just going through her second heat cycle, so she's a little finicky. But she's typically there every day. She goes down with Nina in the morning, and
1: is she gonna have some babies anytime soon.
0: No babies, no <laughs> <old> babies. <laughs>
1: Question for you now is, uh, do you guys have any plans on or thinking about maybe a Brickyard Fitness 2?
0: You know, we've talked about it. A lot of people uh, have approached us about opening the concept down south. But for Nina and I, we, uh, um, you know, for us, it's important to get the first place set up uh, so it's self-sustaining. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, I feel like we would do a disservice to the second location and even the first location by doing that before it's it's ready. Um, once that's self-sustaining, we have opportunities with where we're at to expand. Um, there's some space there that we could utilize that we, we haven't touched yet, um, you know, to create, you know, maybe a different space, um, something with a little bit more power or more CrossFit or something like that. So, <clears throat> so we have the ability to uh, enlarge the location where we're at currently, uh, before thinking of a second location.
2: I like it. Have you spent the last, um, you know, year or so delegating more responsibility to other people and also, um, doing things to scale the business, um, to make it more reasonable for you. So you're not having to work 110 hours a, a week.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so I've scaled down to about 70, uh, on a, on a good week. So, um, but yeah you know we're, we're slowly as we grow that gives us the ability to uh, you know have a trainer close or mm. <clears throat> you know seek someone that's you know trying to make a little bit of money and and um uh you know be successful like you know trying to get new clients and stuff like that nini and, and i we never we never opened the gym because we were trying to you know become famous and and make make all this money you know yeah. it's never about that for us and you know, we tell our trainers that come in, like, you know, this is your playground, this is an opportunity for you to make as much money as you humanly can, it just depends on how hard you want to work. Yeah. So, you know, and if you're willing, if you're willing to graft, the spaces here, you know, and we, um, you know, as owners, we don't really micromanage, we're pretty relaxed as, as it goes. Uh, you know, we have some simple, you know, housekeeping rules and, you um, uh, You know things that are that are required if you're closing and stuff like that. But other than that, it's 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 free space. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really it's one of the few gyms where I I continuously see people walk in plugged in. I call them plugged in because they've got their headphones going, and once they hear the music that's playing there, they end up taking their headphones off or unplugging and and listen to the the tracks that Nina's either set up to play or. You know we have these big JBL party boxes that we set up in the spaces sometimes and we'll just be blasting some extra bass in there and and you know really getting it going and so there's some things that we do that are a little, that are a little different than, than most gyms. That, yeah. You know, kind of play the, the cardboard What's, box playlist.
2: The thing that I appreciate about uh, Brickyard is you guys have the quality of a bigger gym as far as the, the equipment that you guys have in there, the way that the gym looks. But you guys have the vibe of like a little like um, a close knit, like, um, you know, I, I, it's just it's you have the best of both worlds. You have the community of like a close knit gym, but you yeah. have like the the quality of, of a bigger national brand, right? Which is it stands out to me. It stands out when you walk into the gym. You're like, damn, this place is awesome. Right. It feels like
1: you have a private. <clears throat> I would say it's like a private boutique feel in the sense, but the size of a you know of a bigger gym in the sense yeah. of being able to do everything you need to do in there.
0: You know, when we were when we were building it, one of the things that we talked about was um, I, I felt like a lot of gyms had no personality like uh it's it's a space where you work out yeah maybe that's that's what i was looking for is personality (laughs) and um you know what what we were trying to convey is the reason you go to your favorite restaurant is because of the vibe at the restaurant and the food is great Mm -hmm. or the bar that you go to is because the vibe of the bar is great and you know it's somewhere where your friends all get together so what we tried to create at brickyard is is when you walk in the vibe of the gym immediately attracts you and draws you in. And then the workouts, the fringe benefit, Mm -hmm. the music's jamming, the equipment's there. um, And, you know, you just get it done and you enjoy coming there because it's, it's your space. It's just like, it's your favorite bar, your favorite restaurant. And a
1: a lot of the members, you know, they know each other too. You know, they know each other's names as well, you know, which I think is cool.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually quite unique um, because, you know, like I said, when I used to work out, um, I, I would just, I'm working out, like, leave me alone, and, you know, a lot of people are like that, but, uh, but, um, you know, at Brickyard, I I find that a lot of our members actually interact during their workout, you know, it's, it's, um, very rarely do you see the, you know, the grown man on his phone playing World of Warcraft while he's working out, (laughs) if he's not doing a set, he's, he's chatting to another member, and so it's, it's, it's actual interaction, Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and the girls come in, they, they come in, and they get their workout done, and, our age demographic is is quite unique as well. You know, we have uh, uh, we have members from you know eighteen all the way to seventy two. So, damn, that's
1: crazy. You have a seventy two year old member.
0: We do, we do. He uh, he actually he's just had hip surgery, um, so he should be coming back any day. But he was a regular; he'd come in every day.
1: That's awesome. So What's his name?
0: Andy Brown. He uh, he works down at Mid States down there, right on Gwinnott. So he just roll down in his lunch break, knock it out, and roll back. Nice. That's awesome. Nice. I,
1: we got some uh, some rapid fire questions we like to ask some of our guests, and uh, I want to get to know Jeff you better, like, Steve. He
2: just gives people the food food questions over and over again. Dude, <laughs> I'm
1: going to start off with a non-food one, just because okay. you said that, but I had one.
2: You only have one non-food
1: one. <sighs> I have two. No. Uh, well, dude, I mean, so much of, of what we do as far as uh, dieting goes, like, you know, if someone looks like Steve, you got to ask him, like, hey, dude, I know you eat a lot of food that doesn't taste good. But when you do make some um, some decisions, for example, right. like what's your favorite diet friendly sauce?
0: Diet friendly sauce is Ghu sweet chili. The Ooh, G-Hugh's, I haven't tried this
1: sweet chili. I think I have. I think I have some down. Is it? Is it? Does it, does it say Thai in it, or does it just no, say it's sweet just chili? A sweet chili. Okay, need to try that. Favorite fitness apparel.
0: Uh, the Rock Under Armour gear, of course. He is the Australian. I was about
2: to say you got the same build as the Rock.
1: He knows it. He's. They're. They're going to meet someday. It's going to be awesome. Favorite protein powder. Uh, first form formula one.
0: Yeah, that's pretty damn good.
1: Last show you binged on TV. I know you're not much of a TV guy, but I'm sure you've watched something.
0: We are finishing up season six on the Vikings. Oh, is it ah. called
1: the is it called the Viking or Vikings? The Vikings. So. Okay. What What uh What streaming service is that on? Uh, Amazon Prime. Nice and last question you've you've dieted so many times for shows now what's the go-to cheat of cheat meals for you um i have my guess for you because i've talked about this with you so many times
0: yeah i I, to be fair um you know a good fat old cheeseburger with fries is yeah is uh is uh is probably my go-to if i if i had my choice um You know, I leave it up to my coach. You know, my coach says, go get a cheeseburger. I get a cheeseburger. He says, go do a cheese pizza, go do sushi, whatever he decides that that's going to be my No, but the
1: show is over, and now it's competing's done, and then you get to have
0: whatever cheat meal you want. Oh, it's burger and fries all day long. Yeah,
1: well, now what cheeseburger? Because I know you also have a sensitive gut sometimes, and you can't have whatever you want sometimes when it comes to the food.
0: I I do. So we, uh, there used to be this little burger joint in Martin City uh, called... Um called Ramsey's. Uh they closed down, so that was that was like
2: Ramsey's
1: in Martin City was the spot? Yeah. Did you so. ever
2: have that, Kyle? You're out in Martin City sometimes. I'm in Martin City all the time. Yeah, yeah. Ramsey's it just shut down it not too long ago. They,
0: they replaced it with a, a store called Penny's Bakery. I felt like someone cut my finger off when they closed that store down. So Oh. But, but uh, is Penny's
2: Bakery good? I mean like <laughs> I love a good bakery. Dude, good it's right good. down the street from the original Jack Stack. Yeah. It's literally right yeah. there. Oh. I've yeah, never tried it. They've just opened, but, uh,
0: Nina and I found a, a new place. Uh, it's called Smitty's garage. Oh, very familiar. Yeah. So they have a, a double bison burger there with cheese and sweet potato fries, which is pretty clutch.
1: That's a great concept, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Smitty's garage is a, is a chain, but they make, they make good stuff. It's actually uh, it's in the Ward parkway shopping center.
2: Oh, I got a question for you. Uh-huh. Growing up in Australia, what's the scariest animal that you had to deal with as a child? Snakes all day long. Snakes? Yeah. How often do you come across you're, a you're, snake? You're more scared of snakes than spiders? Like, dude, I'm, I am don't want to see one of those tarantulas you guys got over there.
0: You know what's funny is, like, I'm not scared of them. Um, because, you know, when you're a kid growing up, you're actually taught how to, like, handle all those. Like, when you're in school.
2: Oh, that's, that's unique to Australia. Yeah. You so have a, a survival class. In elementary
1: school, <laughs> they teach you. We have, like, fire drills and tornado drills. You guys have snakes.
0: Yeah, right. Um, but um, you know, really the only reason someone gets bit is because they're they're doing something they shouldn't or they're stepping somewhere where they shouldn't or putting their hands somewhere where they shouldn't, you know, it's not like snakes and spiders are actively looking like I'm gonna bite this son of a bitch today, you know. So, For sure, so sure. But um, you know, I remember being a I remember being a kid and uh we had a Dogman as a dog and I was I was vacuuming the pool old school vacuuming where you got to connect the hose to the the vacuum uh, part that connects to the the long the long um, staff and then you got to plug it into the filter box and so you're always dragging this big ass heavy hose around as you're cleaning the pool and sometimes it runs across your feet sometimes it doesn't and and you know i'm i'm cleaning the pool and i feel this thing go across the top of my feet and i'm just assuming it's the hose and and you know our dog is going absolute balls to the wall, like losing its shit. And I'm like, man, what is wrong with this dog?
1: I can and imagine I, you like having headphones in, listening to music or something, <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: And I, and I look to my left and my dog has got this snake bailed up about six feet away from me. And what had gone across the top of my feet was a snake. snake and not the pool hose. And we have a snake in Australia called a King Brown. It's actually, I think either one or two most poisonous in the world and this thing was probably maybe seven or eight feet long you know holy every every, every bit every bit as thick as the pool hose which is probably two inches in diameter two and a half inches in diameter so i kind of had a holy cow moment but we always kept a square nose shovel uh, outside by the garden shed because that was the apparatus of choice for kill, dispatching kill. these things and yeah and um and uh i remember going to getting that shovel and it took me a couple whacks, and you know i finally i you know decapitated this thing and you know, my old man's coming out, comes outside because he can hear the shovel blade hitting the concrete right there. Yeah. And he comes out and he goes, Oh my God, what have you done to the concrete? And I was like, The concrete? See what's, <laughs> see what's here? Because a couple of times I kind of went down, instead of going straight down, went down an angle. I'm a little kid pissing my pants trying to kill a snake. Yeah. And uh,
1: the dog, okay?
0: The dog was okay. The dog, the dog actually probably uh, was the, the the saving grace of the day. You know, he, uh, he, he bailed that snake up and stopped it doing whatever it was doing it was a pretty big Jeez, pretty big dude. boy so but uh, that's wild but yeah I remember another time I, I was actually smaller than that and my my dad had a cucumber a little cucumber patch and he was out there picking these cucumbers and he went to reach in to pick a cucumber and I was like uh grabbed his hand and I was like there's a snake there and there was another it was just a it was a smaller king brown but it it, it was coiled up underneath that that little cucumber patch and so Ugh,
1: terrifying not, dude. not
0: daily but you know you come across them and, how
1: big are the spiders you see out there
0: um you know regular size then we have some spiders that are wolf spiders and th- those guys get pretty big they're they're maybe maybe two to three inches in diameter once they spread their legs out abdomens maybe there's no know. like
1: dinner plates walking around
0: oh there's some dinner plates we got some bird eating spiders out there and like oh, trapdoor spiders so Oh, they, uh, they, bird-eating spiders. Yeah, they, they, they nest up and they create this little sneaky trap door underneath trees and stuff, and when the birds come down onto the ground to feed, they kind of just snatch up out of this
2: little trap door. And, oh, my God, yeah. dude. That is terrifying. <laughs> I home, of St- home of Steve Irwin. Do you have a shrine cool to Steve Ir- Irwin at your house, being from Australia?
0: No, I don't, but it was a sad day when he uh, he was taken. So he was from, a good a, guy.
2: from a devil ray, wasn't it?
0: A bull ray, a bull ray. The cameraman actually started the bull ray and, and the bull ray flipped and, and uh, it's uh, on the end of its tail, they have uh, like a sting. It's like a barb, a sting, right? A barb. Yeah. And, uh, and the barb went right into his heart. I mean, I Just mean, one for in the, a for the million st- chance of that a, happening. One in a billion. Yeah. One in a billion. So, so.
1: Man, that's so sad. I love seeing that his kids are, are carrying on his, on, on his legacy. Yeah. It's very cool.
0: Boy's not as brave as his dad, but he's doing yeah. his best. Understandable, though. Right. You know
1: what I mean? Like, we want him to live. <laughs> I mean, like, we don't need him to be as brave as his dad r- in this scenario. Wrestle a crocodile. Right. No shit. Anyway, uh, we have, um, we're, we're going to wrap up the show here, but I want to know, is there anything we want to share with the, the, the listeners before we get off? Besides, we want to obviously let them know where you're at, yep. how to get a hold of you, but is there anything else you'd like to let them know?
0: Yeah, look I, I think uh, you know brickyard fitness is, uh, is I call it a destination location but anything worth going to or, or doing is is worth the journey to get there um, you know if you're prepared to drive 20 minutes to get a burger what's what's driving 15 20 minutes to check out a gym to see what it looks like and and uh, you know I would say 99 times out of a hundred and once you walk into our gym you'll you'll love it and you just got to make the decision if that's what you want to make it your home so this month's a good month to do it. Um, you're locked in for for a whole year at that price, and and come down and check us out. No what's uh? Um, what's cool. the address? Address is twenty eight thirty Gwinnott Avenue in Kansas City six four one two zero. Google how you put us in Google Maps. It'll bring you right to our front door. So perfect. Nice, nice.
2: What's a uh, social media that people can follow? Yet
0: we are on Instagram uh, under Brickyard Fitness, um, and then uh, Nina has her personal training pages fit by Nina um I'm brickyard fit and then uh I believe Facebook is just brickyard fitness so. awesome
1: <clears throat> appreciate you guys coming on and uh and telling the story today Steve we have uh our our protein bros t-shirts that are available in all 7 of our supplement superstores locations make sure you guys swing by and grab one all you have to do is show them that you have subscribed to the podcast and that is on the house. If you are not located near a supplement superstore, you can give a call to any one of them and they'll ship one out to you or find it on our website, proteinbrospodcast.com.
2: Cool. Cool. Thanks for coming on, dude. Absolutely. It was a great conversation, man. Appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate okay. the invite and your time guys. Appreciate you, man. Talk soon. Thanks. Boom.